This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. At Likeable Media, we create, curate, and promote content that gets your brand results. So contact us today by visiting likeable.com. All the social ladies, 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 all the social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to All the Social Ladies. I am Carrie Kerpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I am thrilled to be here with one of my online BFFs, Anne Handley. I'm going to intro her in a minute, but I just wanted to say that sometimes you meet someone and watch someone online and you feel like you know them so, so well, and it's just such an honor uh, to have her on the show today. She's a veteran of creating and managing digital content to build relationships both for organizations and for individuals. She's an author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Everybody Writes, your go-to guide for creating ridiculously good content, and co-author of the best-selling book on content marketing, Content Rules, How to Create Killer Blogs, Podcasts, Videos, Ebooks, webinars, and more that engage customers and ignite your business. She's the chief content officer of Marketing Profs, a columnist for Entrepreneur Magazine, a LinkedIn influencer, a keynote speaker, and a mom and writer. So welcome, Anne. Thank you so much, Carrie. It's, and I feel the same way. It's uh, My friend Scott Monty has a, a, a word for when people who have never met online meet in real life, and he calls it a pre-union. And, um, and it kind of feels that way just even talking to you today. So I'm really happy to be here. It is totally a pre-union. We had a pre-union and now here we are <laughs> in life together. I love it. Um, so you you craft this incredible content online and I, I would love to hear how you became you. Tell me a little bit of the story of your career. So, you know, from the time that I was eight years old, I always wanted to be a writer. I actually spelled writer with two T's in my diary. Um, so oh, I always wanted a to be, yeah, I wanted to be a writer, I guess. Um, but here's the thing, you know, like lots of folks, lots of my family would give me diaries and notebooks and journals, you know, because I wanted to be a writer. But that never really worked for me. It always felt a little boring because what was missing there was audience, right? I didn't have anybody to write to. Um, and so as soon as I figured out that you could put a stamp on a letter and, um, and write letters and gain audience that way, so to speak, like one-on-one -on -one anyway, um, that's what I started to do. So that essentially was the roots of going into online publishing and blogging and ultimately into working for business to business publications, founding ClickSee, joining marketing profs, the whole thing. So it really boils down to the fact that I've always been a writer who really likes engaging with audiences through my writing. And is that because of the impact that you can have? What is it that appeals to you most about being able to kind of connect your writing with others? I think at my heart, I'm really a teacher, you know, and yeah. part of that is because a lot of things in life confuse me, right? Yeah. And so 
I try to figure out how things work and how to do things better. I try to understand things a little bit more implicitly. Um, and part of that is, 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 I guess, the next evolution of that is then sharing it with others. I mean, sometimes in my blogging and my writing, I'm trying to figure it out, too. I'm trying to parse it. Um, but I also really like sharing those, you know, my discoveries or sharing my thoughts with others as part of the process. Um, I guess I'm very collaborative in that sense. So, yes. you know, it's one thing to know something or to learn something. But, you know, you really have to uh, I, I really enjoy that process of then sharing it with others in part to cement it in my own brain, but also just to help other folks, um, you know, figure out how to do things. And, and, you know, right now that's all about online marketing and social media and content and how do we use this stuff to market our own brands and organizations and individuals. But, you know, throughout my life, it's been, uh, you know, a number of things depending on uh, where my interest has been and, and, um, and where I've worked and, and so on. And so tell me a little bit about Marketing Profs and about your role there. Chief Content Officer is an amazing, amazing opportunity, I would imagine. Yeah, uh, fun fact, I think I'm I'm the first Chief Content Officer <gasps> in the galaxy. I'm pretty sure that that's and true. And you certainly won't be the last. Yeah, no, I am definitely not the last. Yes. Um, but no, when I, I invented that title when I was at wow. ClickZ right around 1998, 97, 98, something like that. So going back quite a ways. Um, and people used to say, what's a chief content officer? What does that mean? Are you responsible for people's happiness? That's <laughs> really funny. Yeah. So um, so what that means now at Marketing Profs is that all of the content that we produce, so that means everything from the, the things that you typically think of as content, like what were articles we publish on the website and our blog posts and uh, tweets and Facebook and all that other stuff, all of that is under me. But our live event that we hold every October in Boston called the Marketing Profs B2B Forum, that's also under my purview. Um, any of the webinars that we produce, uh, any ebooks that we publish, pretty much anything that we produce for our audience is, is under me. That's really incredible. And that includes all of the training and things that you do there? Yes, all of that stuff. Yeah, so exactly. How do you manage? I mean, it, Marketing Profs is really all about content. It has massive, massive amounts of content. And Correct. so how do you manage that there? How does that work? So, well, from a from a people perspective, I mean, certainly it's not just me. We have about 40 people here at Marketing Profs. Yeah. So, you know, I lead a team of fantastic people who do so much, really talented people, um, developing the right kind of content, connecting with speakers and writers uh, and trainers and everybody that we need to help us, you know, partners with us to produce that content. Um, so really, they're the they're the true asset of marketing profs. I'm, I'm just sort of, you know, the, the one who's, uh, who's kind of keeping touch with people. Can I help you? Can I get you some water? Can I give you a rub down? You know, anything, <laughs> what do you need? Let me do it. I mean, I, I love think that's, it. That's really the role of an effective boss, I think in so many ways. Yes. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so that's what it takes. And then in, on the other side, you know, kind of how do we create the kind of content that's going to connect with the folks that we serve? Um, you know, a lot of that just comes from listening, uh, listening to them on social, I find is incredibly important. You know, what do marketers care about? Where are their pain points? Um, you know, what are they really struggling with? I think a lot of times marketers tend to use social as ways to amplify what they're doing elsewhere. So they're sharing articles that they're writing, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're sharing posts or programs or content or whatever they're, they're putting out there. 
Um, they're really using it as more of a broadcast tool with some some engagement, with some interaction. But I th- I think the true promise of social, at least for me, from a content marketing perspective, perspective from a content development perspective, um, is really in listening. Right? Is really hearing what people are talking about, what excites them. You know, what are what are they engaging with, and and what kinds of issues do they struggle with as professionals? Um, so that's very much how I use I use um, social these days. And actually, it, it probably always has been really right from the beginning. So if you were looking at how marketing profs actually uses social to help mm-hmm. make them more successful, you would say it really starts with listening then. Yeah, yeah, always. I mean, I well, I remember like the first time I got on Twitter, which is going back like eight years ago or so, um, I was just like, I mean, like a lot of people's first reaction to Twitter, right, is like, what? Like, why do I care about this? Um, and a lot of people still have that perspective. And that's totally cool. But for me, like the first thing that struck me was, wow, like I can tap into people's thoughts directly. You know, I don't have to ask them through some sort of survey tool, which may skew the results one way or another, depending on, you know, what the instrument looks like and all these different things and who's likely to respond to a survey, you know, all those things that they say. Um, For me, it was like, wow, like I can actually talk to people directly and, and also listen to what other people are talking about. And this was even before Twitter chats or um, or you know hashtags that you could that you could you know group conversations by and things like that. Um, and it, I just thought it was really fascinating. So you know, for me, that's I've always thought of it as just a tremendous resource and a tremendous research tool more than yep. anything else. And so you have become really really influential on social media, and obviously you're a LinkedIn influencer. You've got a, a really strong influence factor here. Is that something that you built over time? How how do you do that? Is it something that comes naturally? Talk to me a little bit about influence and social and how that sort of develops. Yeah, it's funny. It's like you know I'm not going to argue with you. I mean I. Yep. I Definitely, I'm aware of my influence, but at the same time, I almost feel a little allergic to that word. You know, yes. it's yes. it's slightly embarrassing to me. Yes, um, and I don't know why that is. It just it just is. But I guess I think that. Um, you know, my my philosophy about social media is that every person out there has the ability to be an influencer, you know, no matter how big or small that influence may be. Nonetheless, that's the true promise and opportunity of social media. So to me, it's funny where there's when it's it's kind of delineated as such, like there's two categories of people, influencers and non-influencers, you know. Right. Right. But no, I think everybody is an influencer. So I think that's really the root of my allergy, you know, to the yeah. to the notion. Um it's- it sounds like it's really just about the scale at which you influence, whether you're influencing yeah. a smaller group or a larger group. Right, right. Yeah, that's actually true. But I think everybody is a who online on social media. And I think the smartest companies realize that and they recognize it. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's, uh, you know, how did how did I build up my influence to be probably in the kind of group where people think about me as an influencer. Um, you know, it's it's just been through publishing, through content, through thinking about things. I described at the start of this conversation, you know, just why I create content. And a lot of it has is because I'm trying to figure things out. Um, so it's it's very often not that I have something to say before I sit down to create a post on LinkedIn or my own blog or or anyplace else. It's really about how do I feel about this? What am I thinking about? So for me, the writing is the thinking. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll get to a point where I'm like, you know, okay, I'm I'm kind of proud of that evolution of my thinking. I want to publish this somewhere, but very often it's not. So I don't publish it anywhere because I 
don't know that it really has a, a message. It doesn't really go anywhere for me. So, um, so I guess the, sh- the short answer to your question originally is, you know, how did I, did I, is this something I cultivated? It's not really anything I cultivated. I think it just, just happened because of the way that I communicate. Yes. And in terms of looking at your own personal social media presence, do you ever feel like in working in the digital space that you have trouble disconnecting? How do you, are you able to turn it on and off? Um, And, or are you just, do you constantly want to be online? What is your kind of philosophy around that and, and behavior around that? I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. I was tweeting. What? Oh, no. No, no. No, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. That Um, was hysterical, just so you know, because I totally was like, okay, I'll repeat it because I'm so used to that because I live with Dave Kirpin. That's it. Every day, every day. He's like, I'm tweeting. I can't pay attention to you. Okay. Yes. Tell me. I'm sorry. I'm creating content right now. I Um, love it. I'm busy. I mean, you know, for me, it's pretty seamless. It's, it is part of my life. I mean, you should yep. probably ask my children, do, they would probably say that I'm, uh, I engage with, uh, with my iPhone more than I do with them sometimes mm. when they're not being generous toward me. Um, my daughter actually sometimes will joke with me that, do you really want to do this or you just want to Instagram it? You know? I lo- yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I which love one it. is it, mom? Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I do have trouble. I do have trouble unplugging, um, for sure. I mean, I think like a lot of us who are kind of wrapped up in this social world, um, I have a house up in Maine. And so for the longest time I resisted getting an internet connection put in the house because I kept saying to myself, no, this is where I go to unplug. And then I realized, do you know what I do when I go to unplug? I walk around until I find somebody with an open Wi-Fi and I try to hack into like my neighbors, you know? So, so that doesn't work. I mean, the bottom line is I just, I have to be connected and that just right. is how it is. Um, it is a challenge though. I mean, I, we have some sort of guidelines around the house, like a lot of families have like, you know, uh, no phones at the table, which sounds like, you know, it's an obvious thing, but it's surprisingly hard when, you know, somebody is looking for you. <laughs> um, actually, we had to, we had to do that too. It's the same yeah. in our house. And you actually yeah. have to say, you have to say no phones at the dinner table because it's just, it, it's very natural that, that yes. someone would be contacting you. Yes. Or need something. Correct. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I think also we think about, we think about these devices as, as the, a way to not connect with people in our families, people in who we know in real life that, you know, like, I guess what's inherent in your question there is, you know, do you ever feel like you're ignoring the folks around you and interacting online too much? Is it hard to unplug? But honestly, I use social tools, you know, um, um, apps and online connectivity applications and things like that to connect with people who I live with or who are in my family, you know? So my example there is, you know, my, my daughter, Caroline, who's 18 years old, she just graduated high school the other day. Uh, Congratulations. Shout out to Caroline. Shout out. Go Caroline. Um, So, you know, she and I are Snapchat buddies. I mean, I'm not on Snapchat except to connect with my children and a few friends on there, a few close friends. Um, But it's an incredibly useful tool because, you know, I think I'm closer to my own kids just because of these tools than I ever was to my parents. You know, my daughter will Snapchat me from uh, the graduation floor or from a party or from her friend's house or whatever. I mean, it's all just sort of fun, silly stuff, but you know, we have a very real connection that in, and Snapchat enables that it doesn't, it doesn't, um, detract from it. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. It actually enhances your communication with the people you're connected to IRL. 
Right. Exactly. Yes, you said it. much more succinctly than I, I did. No, I got yes, it. But, that's no, but, exactly you told, it. but you told the story, which I think really brings it to life is that it can help you, especially with teenagers. It can help yes. you be better connected in a lot of ways because you're getting um, and really immersed into their world in that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And some of my online friends too, you know, not just um, teenagers, but some of my online friends who are closer to my age, you know, we do the same thing. I mean, it's probably not as frequent as it is with my kids, but, um, but you know, I see where they are. I see what they're up to. You know, I, 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 I'm looking at them in Indianapolis when I'm here back in Boston, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know. I mean, I, I just think there is a balance in everything, but I don't think that that, you know, online tools are, are always a, a distraction from your real life. I actually think, as you said, that you can, you can use those tools to enhance your life too. Absolutely. And so tell me if you were looking at your, your personal favorite network and then your favorite network in using, uh, the, in using social media for marketing props, which would be, uh, your favorite or are they both the same? So my hands down favorite social network, I just posted about it today on my blog at anthanley.com, um, is Instagram by far. Um, I do like Snapchat as well, you know, for the reasons that are just articulated, but I don't use it as broadly because most of my friends, probably most of your friends are not on, on Snapchat. Um, but I love Instagram, um, for a couple of reasons. I mean, I initially loved it because, you know, I, I am a writer. My, my, I just, I think of myself as a writer. Um, but I love the way that Instagram has helped me develop my visual storytelling skills, which I know sounds really high minded, but, um, you know, it really has made me look at things in a different way, like literally look at things and think this is so cool, you know, so it's really helped me become uh, a little bit more immersed in what's going on around me because I'm always thinking about, about, um, you know, Instagram opportunities, which again, my kids mock me for it, but it does enhance the life that I'm living because it's like, this is just so amazing that all these things around here that I could potentially Instagram, most of which I don't, but I'm just saying it does force you to notice things that I think, or me, it it forces me to notice things that I easily ignored before. So that's the first reason why I like it. The second reason though, is because I think it's, it's more than just a visual platform. Very often, I think if you give the backstory of what's going on or add some text to it that kind of, you know, enhances the the picture itself, you can tell a really, really rich story. Um, And so I shared on my blog this morning a couple of examples of some folks who do that really well. And one of them is a a graphic artist down in, I think she's in Nashville. I'm pretty sure she's in Nashville, Tennessee. And she has an Instagram um, account called Small Chalk. And what I love about what she does is she's sharing her beautiful designs, many of which she creates with chalk or paint or, you know, tactile mediums like that. Yeah. Um, and but in addition to that, she's also like when she when she will post one of her her visuals, she'll also give the backstory on like what's going on. It's kind of dicey working down here. You know, it's a, she's in New Orleans. That's where she is. Sorry. Um, she, it'll, it's kind of dicey down here, you know, working in the French Quarter. You always have to, you know, watch out for your handbag and all that. And of course, of course, uh-huh. you know, the smart. Alex walking by who um, tell you that you spelled a word wrong. I mean, she sort of tells the whole story of what it's like to be in her world. And I think that's a really powerful thing to do. So not just share the visual, but also, you know, to give the broader backstory behind it, I think is really, really interesting. I love that. And how about for marketing props? Does it differ in terms of what's most successful from a professional standpoint? Yeah, from a from a professional standpoint, um, I really like Twitter for mm-hmm. the reasons that I expressed earlier. You know, just the ability to to listen, to use it as a research tool to figure out what kind of resonates with marketers and, what, and what's on their minds. 
Um, I also have a pretty big network there, so I've invested a lot of time in it. Um, I have, I think I have close to 300,000 followers there now. So it's, um, you know, it's a channel that I really invested in and I really built up and I really value the relationships I've built there. Um, and I've met a lot of people that I've ultimately had a preunion with, you know, so. A preunion. That's really incredible. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So I, I love, uh, Twitter and from a business perspective, it does drive an awful lot of traffic to marketing profs. And so there's a there's a real business reason behind it, too. Um, not just, you know, sort of a softer, you know, research reason, but it, you know, it definitely is responsible for a lot of the traffic that swings by marketing profs. Um, and so uh, so I think for from a business perspective, it would have to be Twitter as my favorite favorite platform. Awesome. And what would you say is like the worst thing about social media. So we've heard all the great things. What do you think are some of the challenges with this kind of shift towards a social media world? Some of the challenges. Um, You know, I'm thinking about businesses that I talk to who really aren't in our world, right? They're not necessarily in our social bubble. You know, they don't see things like the way that we do. We don't see, they don't see social as a tremendous opportunity. They're mostly just confused by it. Um, I'm sure you talk to companies all the yes. time or yeah, executives all the time. And and so, so I think, I think it's really hard actually starting out now. You know, I feel like folks like us were really in the ground floor of social and really do understand it almost as natives. Um, and so I really do think that the thing that I, I hate about social is that sometimes it's not always easy to, you know, figure out how to use it and, and build up a presence there. I mean, certainly there are people like like you and, and other marketers out there, other, other um, consultants out there who can really help you make that transition. Um, but you know, I just I think it's not always it's not always easy, and it's 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 good to remember that. I think every once yes. in a while, um, you know, I'm thinking about my friend who's a realtor and and trying to figure out, you know, okay, how do I actually use these tools to, you know, build up a, a presence? And you read a lot about folks who are doing amazing things, but you know, the 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 underbelly of that is it really is hard, I think, to um, to use these tools effectively if you aren't entirely comfortable with some of the marketing concepts to begin with, you know? So, um, so I don't know, I guess that's not really, uh, it's no, not, I not necessarily something I hate. It's just, you know, it, it, it's, it's, hard. it's something, yeah, it's hard, but it also inspires me, you know, because it's yes. like, I, I want to help those people. I really do feel like that, that social is a, a tremendous tool. And I really do want to help those people. Try totally. To because it can work for anybody. It's just, you have to really understand it and put the work in. Yeah. It's hard. Okay. Anne, are you ready? to play a little bit of season two of all the social ladies, most fun game, likeable, <laughs> lovable, loathable. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So here's the premise. I'm going to say about five things. You're going to tell me just instantly, and then you can define why. Okay. Is it likable? Is it lovable? Or is it loathable, which is a fabulous non-word that I've mm, for this. Mm. I was just uh, wondering this, if that was a word, but oh, okay. it's a non-word. It's we for the do- sake of alliteration. So here we go. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to start with one that I think I already know because we mentioned it here today and let's go with Snapchat. Oh yeah. Love it. Lovable. Lovable. Okay. And you're not concerned disappearing media. How do you feel about disappearing media as a whole? Like the kind of concept of erasable um, I'm not so sure that that's actually true, but maybe that's just the uh, the cynic in me that wonders yes. about that. But yes. um, but no, I think I think it's you know it's um, it's fantastic, and the reason why I think it's fantastic is just you know I I gave the example of my own kids. You know on on Facebook, 
my kids will put their polished selves, but on Snapchat, I get their real, real self. You know, I get mm-hmm. the bedhead, I get the zits, I get, you know, this is I'm having a horrible day. And so I think if that lived permanently, I wouldn't get that kind of transparency with them. I love that. And I think you're making me want to get on Snapchat with Charlotte. Maybe she'll share with me a little more. She is with me on uh, Instagram and a lot of these things, but I definitely don't get the bedhead. I get, All the, right. pol- I get the polished 12-year-old, not the, you know, real guts 12-year-old. So yes, exactly. And and you want to make sure that you see that part of them. You know, exactly. Because, yeah. I agree. Okay, next one. Ready? Apple Watch. Ugh, loathable. Do not like. Just do not get... <laughs> Like why? I, yeah, I, no, I just, um, I just don't understand it. Um, and I have zero experience with it. So this is not coming from any point of authority other than the fact that it could, but I've had conversations with people who have tried it and one person who sent it back after ordering it and getting it and using it for a month or so. Um, I don't know. I just, I just don't quite get it. Okay. The discovery that the word GIF was supposed to be pronounced GIF. <laughs> I did not know that. Really? Yeah. Oh, it was a big thing, and It came was out it? that GIF, G-I-F, was actually supposed to be pronounced GIF. And then there was like an internet revolt. Like, no, it's GIF. Like, I say GIF. What How did do I do you... miss this? Yeah, miss it's this? GIF. And I'm going to say, I'm tweeting you something on this in about five minutes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. GIF versus GIF. How do you feel if I told you that um, I, I'm posting a reaction GIF on Facebook? <laughs> wow. Well, uh, let me think. I, enlightened. How's that? It's not oh, quite an good. L word, but it's not close. Like a, right. Exactly. You're le- oh L for learning. We learned a new thing. <laughs> exactly. We learned a new thing today. And how do you feel about selfies? Mm, I don't know. That's a that's an interesting one. Um, I'd say likable, maybe not in the in the Kirpin sense, but yes. um, but more in the in the neutral sense. In the I neutral mean, sense. Yeah, I can I can see that because it's not it's not love, it's just a like, you know. It's I, a well done selfie. Like, what? what's the point? The ten. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm I'm putting it in the middle as well. I also feel that it's interesting that likable in my in my game is in the middle when in fact I yes. do love likable. But yeah, yes. like for this game, it is acceptable. Okay, Mark Zuckerberg is a CEO. Mm, um, I would say it's in the likable game sense, not yes. in the, not in the likable Kirpin sense. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's, it's you know, fine. yeah. And we're going to end with your absolute favorite, which I know, Instagram. Oh gosh. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Lo- triple, lovably, triple, lovable. Yeah. Lovably, lovable. If you're not on Instagram, you really should get on Instagram. Um, I mean, it's just, I just think it's fantastic. A third thing that I didn't mention, another reason why I really like it is because it gives you a sense of who people are on there in a way that nothing else does. Not like Facebook, not like Twitter, not like anything else, because most people are, use Instagram is kind of a curated feed, right? Like you mentioned your 12 year old daughter, you know, you only see certain she, I'm sure she really obsesses about which photo to put up. Yeah. I mean, I do the same thing and as do my kids. And so I think you really do get a sense of what people value just by, by following them on Instagram. And you know, that's not a judgment. I just think it's interesting. You know, do you love your car? Do you love your kids? Do you love your dog? Do you love your garden? Whatever. I just think it gives you an insight into people that it's, you don't get anywhere else. Absolutely. And you said something earlier about Instagram, which actually uh, got me thinking is that it, it kind of helps you discover beauty in the world that you might yes. not have ordinarily thought. And and that was a really, I've never heard that before. I think that's really, really interesting. Because yeah. You look yeah. at something and you, you look at it a little differently because you can Instagram it. Yeah. 
It's really cool. So, Anne, I'm so thrilled that I had you on on the show today and that we had our pre-union. And now I can't wait to meet you IRL and see you at a conference coming up sometime soon. I'm sure I will. I hope so. Yes. And so tell me uh, where people should follow you. So people can follow me um, on Instagram since we were talking about that uh, at Ann Hanley, but I am actually at Ann Hanley on most social channels, including I have an at Hanley Twitter account. I also have an app marketing process Twitter account. I I manage them both myself. Um, They can find me at marketingprofs.com or at annhanley.com, which is my personal blog where I don't post very often, but um, it's more my, my scratch pad. Awesome. And thank you so much for being a guest and an awesome social lady. Thank you so much. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast was brought to you by Likeable Media. At Likeable Media, we create, curate, and promote content that gets your brand results. Visit likeable.com for more information today.